Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work. And you can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. He's the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. We've been talking about current global events. Larry Reed is the president emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. His latest is No Problem. It is February the 6th, and on this day in the 1952, uh, after a long illness, King George VI of Great Britain and Northern Ireland died in his sleep at the royal estate of St. Andreham. Uh, Princess Elizabeth, the oldest of the king's two daughters and next in line to succeed him, was in Kenya at the time of his father's death, and she, uh, she was officially crowned as Queen Elizabeth II on June 2, 1953, at the age of 27. King George VI, the second son of King George V, ascended to the throne in 1936 after his older brother, King Edward VIII, voluntarily abdicated to marry uh, American divorcee Wallace Simpson during World War II. Uh, George worked to rally his spirits of the uh, British people by touring war zones, making a series of morale-boosting radio broadcasts for those for which he overcame a speech impediment and shunning the safety of the countryside to remain with his wife in bomb-plagued Buckingham Palace. The king's uh, health deteriorated in 1949, but he continued to perform state duties until his death in 1952. Queen Elizabeth was born on April the 21st, 1926, and known to her family as Lilibet, was groomed as a girl to succeed her, his, her father. Uh, she married a distant cousin, Philip Mountbatten, on November the 20th, 1947, at London's Westminster Abbey. The first of uh, Elizabeth's four children, Prince Charles, was born in 1948. From the start of her reign, Elizabeth understood the value of public relations and allowed her 1953 coronation to be televised. Despite objections from Prime Minister Winston Churchill and others who felt it would cheapen the ceremony, Elizabeth and the 40th British monarch since William the Conqueror worked hard to, uh, at her royal duties and became a popular figure around the world. In February 2022, Elizabeth uh, celebrated her Platinum Jubilee, marking seven decades of her service to the Commonwealth. She died on September the 8th, 2022, at Balmoral Castle in Scotland at the age of 96. The Queen's reign was not without controversy. She was seen as cold and out of touch following the 1996 divorce of her son, Prince Charles, and Princess Diana. And again, after Diana's 1997 death in a car crash. Additionally, the role in modern times of the monarchy, which is often largely ceremonial, had become into question as the British taxpayers had complained about covering the royal family's travel expenses and palace upkeep. Still, the royals are effective world ambassadors for Britain and a huge touring uh, draw. In the final years of her reign, she continued many of her functions and duties, 
uh, public appearances and spent plenty of time outside with her beloved dog and horses. Two days before death, she officially installed a new prime minister, Liz Truss. The story of Queen Elizabeth. Well, on February the 4th, in the 23rd annual Winter Wine uh, Festival, the auction raised $26 million in just over four hours for the Naples Children Education Foundation, the festival's founding organization. The final tally, unknown until February the 7th, when the auction's online component composes at uh, 5 p.m., uh, wine Spectator magazine ranks uh, NWWF as the world's number one charity wine auction since 2015. NCEF's uh, uh, CEO Maria Jimenez Lara uh, confirmed this, adding that what keeps the auction at tippy top rung is that the each year offers something new and different, from new cadres of chefs and vineyards to creative auction lots that inspire f- festival gover- goers. To support our community, the festival attracts not just Neapolitans, but people across the country, said Laura. Before paddles were raised, nearly 650 guests sipped wine and nibbled hors d'oeuvres a fresco when feasting their eyes on fantasy cars for the bidding displayed around the property. Inside featured uh, several dozen displays of glamorous wine-inspired getaways, uh, boasting uh, private jet or first-class transport. Every dollar raised during the auction benefits the kids in need. NCEF and NWWF's partnership has raised more than $245 million since 2001. Just remarkable. Do a great job. And the foundation, of course, does a great job of screening the not-for-profits to whom they uh, give money, make sure that they have a business plan in place, and make sure that they're getting value out of each dollar that's invested. So... It's a great uh, charity, and they do a great job. Number one winter wine festival in the world. Well, the federal government reported Friday that U.S. economy in January added 517,000 non-farm jobs, nearly three times as many as economists had forecast. The Bureau of Labor Statistics also reported that last month's employment rate was 3.4%, essentially unchanged from the previous month rate of 3.5%. The economy uh, in December added 223 new non-farm jobs, 223,000 that is. According to Dow Jones, the consensus forecast was for 187,000 new non-farm jobs in January and for the jobless rate to have increased to 3.6%. The unemployment rate is expected to edge higher to 3.6% from 3.5%. Average monthly wage growth is expected to have stayed about 0.3% in January, which while declining on an annual basis to 4.3 from 4.6%. The jobless rate is being uh, closely watched amid high inflation, a slowdown in the U.S. economy's technology sector, and concerns about a recession. So 517,000 new non-farm jobs? I, I don't think so. And while the mainstream medias cheered the news, that the U.S. economy had 517,000 new jobs last month. Sadly, that was just isn't true. According to reports in the St. Louis Federal Reserve, the U.S. economy actually lost 2.5 million jobs in January via uh, Rich Dvorak, the non-seasonally adjusted print for monthly change in non-farm payrolls was minus 2.5 million jobs. That means the headline of 517,000 unemployment gain reported in January was driven entirely 
by a $3 million, a $3 million seasonal adjustment. So, uh, correction, <laughs> it's not 500,000 new jobs. And by the way, if, if it had been, that's not good for inflation. So, uh, actually, my hope is the Fed will be reassured by this uh, lower number of employed people and uh, will end up stopping this increase in interest rates. Well, the U.S. military on Saturday shot down a suspected Chinese spy balloon off of the Carolina coast after it traversed sensitive military sites across North America. Uh, China insisted the flyover was an accident involving a civilian aircraft and threatened repercussions. <laughs> what liars. So anyhow, President Joe Biden issued the order but, was, uh, but had wanted the balloon downed or even earlier on Wednesday. He was advised that the best time for the operation would be when it was over water, U.S. officials said. Military uh, officials determined that being it, uh, bringing it down over land for an altitude of 60,000 feet would pose an undue risk to people on the ground. China responded that it reserved the right to take further actions and criticized the U.S. for ob obvious overreaction and a serious violation of international practice, whatever that is. In a statement Sunday, uh, China Ministry of Foreign Affairs said China will resolutely uphold the relevant company's legitimate rights and interests and in the same time reserving the right to take further action in response. The presence of the uh, balloon in the skies above the U.S. this week dealt a severe blow to already strained U.S.-Chinese relations that have been in a, a downward spiral for years. It prompted Secretary of State Anthony Blinken to abruptly cancel a high-stakes Beijing uh, trip uh, amid easing tensions, censored reactions on the Chinese Internet mirrored the official government stance that the U.S. was hyping the situation. Some used it as a chance to poke fun at U.S. defenses, saying it couldn't even defend against a balloon, and nationalist influencers leapt to, uh, to use the news to mock the U.S. My goodness. China's uh, denied any claim of spying and said it, uh, it is a civilian use balloon intended for the meteorology research. The Minister of Foreign Affairs emphasized the balloon journey was out of its control and urged the U.S. not to smear it because of the balloon. Uh, they really said that. I'm not kidding. They obviously knew all about it. In fact, it was, I'm sure, so, some sort of a government re research. And uh, Biden, why he waited, apparently... Uh, his advisor, Millie, told him to wait until he got over to land. He should have uh, dropped that thing before it got across the uh, Canadian border. But nevertheless, uh, this is another black eye in foreign policy around the world for the United States. And by the way, President Biden and his administration knew for nearly a week that a Chinese spy balloon was hovering in U.S. airspace, uh, but kept the incursion secret fearing it would derail Secretary of State Anthony Blinken's planned meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping in uh, Beijing. Team uh, Biden became aware of the balloon on January the 28th uh, when it was spotted over Alaska. Communist Chinese surveillance balloons uh, violates international law and threatens our homeland. That according to Representative Nicole Maliotakis uh, from Staten Island. It's an outrage that Biden administration spotted the balloon days ago and it was flying over the Aleutian Islands and did nothing about it, she said. The president has not even made a comment about the unacceptable act of aggression by the CCP.
Well, Canada on Thursday said it was tracking another potential surveillance balloon. At the same time, there is a confirmed Chinese craft with spotted over the United States. Uh, Thursday statement from the Canadian Defense Ministry said this is a high-altitude surveillance balloon that was detected and its movements are being actively tracked by NORAD. Uh, Canadians are safe and Canada is taking steps to ensure the security of its airspace, including the monitoring of a potential second incident, the ministry said, according to NORAD. The Canadian Armed Forces, the Department of National Defense, and other partners have been assessing the situation and working in close coordination. The uh, sighting of the second balloon comes from the Pentagon, uh, confirmed that U.S. security forces were actively tracking Chinese aircraft in uh, the U.S. airspace. Canadian officials remain f- uh, in frequent contact with our American allies as the situation develops. Well, that's reassuring. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest-established air conditioning company. I hope you'll visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. 
Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's uh, brought to you by internationalhealthplans.com. If you're planning on traveling abroad, most health plans, and maybe yours, doesn't cover international travel. And you can uh, check out whether uh, you can get health insurance, international health insurance, by visiting the website internationalhealthplans.com. Coming up, we'll be visiting with Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Right now, we have with us Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Mark, I'm sorry I didn't have your microphone potted up. Sorry. <laughs> I said it's always a pleasure to join you. Thank you so much. For a long time. Thank you, Mark. So we have so much to talk about in terms of global events going on right now. And I guess the big news right now is the earthquake that's uh, uh, actually toppled buildings and actually some very antiquated buildings. Some very antiquated, some modern buildings. It was a very strong earthquake by standing 7.9 on the Richter scale, which is considered very, very strong. It hit southern Turkey, north uh, west uh, Syria. And it was felt as far here as, I'm in Israel, it was felt here. My wife was up at 3 in the morning, and her, the couch she was sitting on uh, started uh, moving. So, Wow. Um, it's a strong earthquake. It has some, uh, besides the death, which is, of course, terrible, and right now they're reporting 1,500, but they expect that number to grow tremendously because people are believed to be trapped under under the buildings. It has some, it has some geopolitical consequences. I mean... The most straightforward is the fact that Turkey has asked Israel for help, and Israeli-Turkish relations have been warming recently, and it's one of the expertise Israel has, and we're close by, and I believe um, uh, a um, team of um, experts in finding people under buildings and that sort of stuff um, will be leaving for Turkey momentarily. Any, um, so this part of the Israeli army that's always on call for those sort of situations, and they've gone as far as South America, but here, obviously, it's only an hour and a half flight, so I'm sure they'll be off very soon. The more interesting thing, which was just a report, just as we got on the air, was that Russia has asked Israel to help in northwest Syria. This gets really complicated. Israel's been at war with Syria for the longest time. Russia has been an ally of Syria, but has been pulling back somewhat because of Ukraine. Um, The Turks and the Syrians don't get along in some of the areas along the Turkish border there, and the, the area that the rebels... A lot of the rebels hold part of that area, and so and there are about five million people trapped there, and it seems the most devastating damage has taken place there. Wow! As a matter of fact, one of the pictures I saw was of a a Roman fortification, almost a castle, that had withstood all these years and was totally flattened by this earthquake. Wow! So, so well, what would you what would you recommend? Should they go and help? I think we, I, I I never question that. We should always go and help. There's there, there's no issue when when people's lives are at stake and it's nothing to do with war. It's you know natural disasters that no one can control. I always believe one should help. The geopolitical considerations come later. Yeah. Um, the issues usually are people don't want accept help from Israel for all sorts of reasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the situation may be that dire, and it's one of the it's one of the areas that Israel has a lot of expertise in. So people not to accept the help would be it'll cost people's lives. So I think they will accept it. The fact that Russians are coming to Israel in this period of time when the Israeli foreign minister is about to visit Ukraine and there's been a little bit of a change and shift in Israeli policy in that direction um, is quite interesting. So 
we'll have to see. You know, things like this just you have to wait and see how they develop and what the implications are. But in the meantime, unfortunately, people are dying. It's also in the middle of a very cold cold period, both Greece and Turkey and Israel. Uh, it's cold, yeah. and of course, cold when you're in you know forced out of your homes and destroyed is a not a very good good situation, obviously. We can all be grateful that we have the building codes that we have here in the United States. Uh, probably many of these buildings that went down would, would be okay if they were uh, built out according to the building codes of today. Right. Well, that's absolutely. I mean, one of the things going going on in Israel for the last 20 years, there's a project that basically um, the government subsidizes redoing buildings all over the country so to make them uh, um, earthquake, nothing earthquake-proof, but, you know, uh, be able to resistance to earthquake because many of the buildings were built before these codes were known, and of course now any new construction is built over the last twenty years with earthquake under consideration. Yeah. Israel, not so much Tel Aviv, but the Jerusalem and Sfat, and that area, uh, part of the Great Rift Valley, and that's a geographically um, busy area, and that sort of is what came back in with with this. So it comes together. You know, uh, we have some friends that live in a, a building that was built 20 years ago, and when Ian came through, they said they literally, they're on the 20th floor of the building, they were getting seasick because of the swaying of the building. We felt nothing, and we're on the 15th floor of our own building, so shows the difference that a building code can make. Yep, very much so. So, Very, um, very much so. Uh, what's going on in Israel right now? Well, right now... Um, the demonstrations continue. I mean, it, um, it's been going on for um, uh, now for five weeks straight. Hundreds of thousands of people in the street, um, and um, it continues week after week. The government seems to be going ahead with with um, their reform, or trying what they call reform, which is changing the uh, changing the legal balance between the Supreme Court and uh, and the Knesset and the government. Um, the uh, opposition and some a lot of the supporters of even the government are opposed to it. Um, so we'll have to see. But the demonstrations keep on going on week after week. Huh. So, um, oh, it, it, um, obviously, this is most people. I, I don't know. We can call it a majority, but most people are very up, upset and concerned about this uh, taking judicial uh, power and giving it to the Knesset. Uh, are they being tone deaf? They're not being tone deaf. They have particular goals. Let me put it that way. It's not a question of being tone deaf. There are three groups of people who want this. Um, there's Netanyahu, who for the first time supports this, who um, who thinks in some which way this will be able to help him uh, get rid of his trial. In other words, the major part of this legislation, there are various parts of it, the major part of it allows basically the Knesset, which is controlled by the government, to override a Supreme Court decision. So... One of the things that's been talked about is basically to make the, the crimes that Netanyahu is um, facing or is in the middle of trial um, no longer a, a crime, and therefore the trial would go away. But the Supreme Court would clearly ru would clearly clearly rule that a law like that uh, violates you know the basics basic laws and violates uh, you know it is 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 couldn't be done let's put it right, that way right and then what they want to do is say okay the supreme court voted that way we disagree so we're going to override the supreme court and then you get into a real constitutional uh, mess so that's one group of people who want it you have the ultra orthodox who want to pass a law that their their kids which don't go to the army anyway never have to go to the army 
and you have some of the people who are settling on the West Bank who want to pass laws that will allow building settle, settlements on private Palestinian land. Um, and that's one of the things the Supreme Court has stopped, is building on private land. Hmm. So. Interesting. Thank you, Mark. I'm going to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They get the politics and know the policy, and they're preparing your elected officials to win in the legislatures. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schumann, the uh, founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. Again, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. So, Mark, uh, let's talk about uh, what's happening in Ukraine. Yeah, so right now in Ukraine, um, two things. First of all, the Russians are trying all they can to break through and capture Bobmut, which is in the southern part of Ukraine. Not all that strategic, but an important victory for them, um, just psychologically, mm -hmm. um, if they were to pull it off. Um, in the meantime, there's been um, some changes in the Ukrainian government in an attempt to root out corruption. That has been a problem over the years, and, um, and that seems to be taking place. Um, and finally, of course, there's the fact that uh, most of the countries are coming forward now with tanks and other advanced weaponry that will give them a chance uh, chance to respond uh -huh. um, in a significant way. So a lot of things simultaneously happening. Yeah, and uh, 
So uh, tell me, what is the state of the war, given this new equipment that's coming in? Uh, will this give more uh, offensive? And that's a big question. Obviously, it'll give them the offensive. They'll give it. will give them the offensive ability to um, to do something at this point mm-hmm. um, to attempt to push the Russians out of part of the areas that they conquered and maybe even try to retake Crimea. We just don't know. I mean, to be honest with you, the Russians keep on coming in with more and more uh, soldiers, and the Ukrainians um, are training more and more of their people as well. So it's going to, unfortunately, it looks like it's going to be a long war until something happens in terms of Putin and says, uh, um, says that um, I've had enough. Yeah. What, what about the premise that uh, the uh, uh, Russians are running out of military, they're running out of equipment? And uh, was there any truth to that at the time? There is truth to that. They're being, they are limited, but they are making some new, new stuff, and they're working on with with the Iranians and coming on with a, a good deal uh, with the Iranians um, to build a factory inside of, inside of Russia. Huh. Interesting. Well, let's move to the Chinese balloon that just uh, got shot down over the United States. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what the Chinese were thinking, quite honestly. I don't understand why they needed it, what they can't do with satellites they can do with a balloon, um, and what their goal was. It certainly pushed back any attempt uh, at improving relations with China, which I thought was the Chinese interest. Um, and um, I don't know. Um what the United States should have done at this point, it's also a hard question. Um, you know, what, hello? Hello, Mark. Okay, sorry. Was was the Biden administration the military right to wait till it was over water? It's one of those unknown questions, right? Unless yeah. you, do, you look at what the other alternative would have been, you don't really know. Um, I can't believe there's anything great secret there that, that, that makes a big difference. Well, Occam's razor would ex- uh, would suggest that this is all about just finding out about American resolve and what we do under the circumstances. Nah, what is that American resolve? What is it supposed to? What is what is that testing? American resolve that that it did or did not shoot it down. I, I don't get that part. Well, uh, but, you know the the fact that that, that was an act of aggression. They violated international law, and the United States uh, waited several days to respond. Right, but we 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 knocked it down when we wanted to knock it down. That's just a nonsensical sort of thing. American resolve. I mean, that's what it would have made a difference if they would have knocked it down over Montana or over I mean, uh, when it crossed the Canadian border. Whatever, if it would have resolved, you know, over the Aleutians, I mean, would it have yeah. made any difference showing more American resolve or less American resolve? I don't think that. That's just a ridiculous point. If we had never knocked it down, that would be some, that would say something. We're afraid to knock it down. That's American resolve. Our decision of where to knock it down, that's a tactical decision. That's just not a question of resolve. Hmm. The question is we, how we should respond to it all. That's a different question. Um, that's something else, but... The question of how, when we knocked it down, that's the t- that was a tactical question. Was, was it the right decision? I have no idea. Yeah. But I wouldn't move it to, to the level of strategic decision. Yeah. So interesting so. because uh, uh, right now, I mean, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they have a pretty good chance of recovering the, uh, some of the stuff from the balloon. And uh, because it was in 47 feet of water, I think it, it said. so. Right. Now, they, they planned that. That part they did tactically correct. So, yeah, that's, so, that's a good thing. So we'll see. I mean, 
our relations with China will be something if we stay on the air together for X number of more years, we'll be discussing them for those number of years. We should be healthy and well to just keep on discussing the Chinese issue. Yeah, that's so interesting, Mark. Well, I just genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show. Again, uh, Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. It's a multimedia website, good for kids of all ages. I suggest you check it out, uh, HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on My the show. My pleasure, Bob. All right. Okay, coming up, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. And by the way, uh, the times are changing and trends in funeral services are no exception. The traditional somber formal affair marking one's passing is transitioning into a celebratory event where family and friends can gather more casually in a relaxed setting that incorporates the comforts of home on Sunday, February the 19th. Hodges Life Celebration Center, located at 26051 South Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, will host a community open house and reception from 2 to 4 p.m. with a ribbon cutting and champagne toast at 3.15 p.m. The new facility reflects the latest innovation in Florida's uh, funeral services by the Hodges brand. It's dynamic, it's capacity to uh, accommodate both traditional and non-traditional funerals and memorials, said Michelle Matuzek, the funeral director. But we are also eager to extend our facility to the community as well as a gathering place for those wanting to host a special brunch or luncheon amongst friends or perhaps a dinner to host an anniversary, a milestone event, or offering catering services that are second to none. Uh, The special guest, by the way, is going to be Thelma Hodges, if you're not familiar with Thelma, she's quite a hip person. She's 94 years old. She uh, passed away, her husband, Earl Hodges, passed away in 2013. The two arrived in Naples in 1955 when it was considered a fishing village. Uh, she's one of the three founding nurses of the NCH Hospital, and he's a returning veteran mortician of the Korean War, making an obligatory stop to visit relatives before returning to his home in Tennessee. But the fates would have something different in mind when they met at a arranged dinner, and the marriage from that point would last 55 years. So she is indefatigable. Uh, the Thelma Hodges was uh, honored by NCH as a pioneering nurse. At age 94, she remains bright and keenly re- uh, relect- recollective uh, regarding all things Southwest Florida. You can rate, make a reservation uh, by calling 366-5333. That's 366-5333. Okay, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Larry Reed, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show. Here on the Bob Hartman Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. 
You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. You can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now we have with us uh, Larry Reed. He is the President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. Larry, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you for having me, Bob. My pleasure. Tell us about the Foundation for Economic Education. Okay. We are an educational foundation, uh, private and privately funded, and focused on high school and college students. We try to educate and inspire them in ideas of individual liberty, free enterprise, private property, limited government, and personal character. We do that through a very uh, robust website, which is fee.org, where we place uh, regular daily new commentary and other articles, as well as uh, personal uh, or in-person, I should say, events with uh, students on their campuses all over the country and often uh, in other countries as well. Terrific organization, fee.org. If there's a young person in your life, high school or college age, Introduce them to this fine organization and be glad that you did. F-E-E dot org. Larry wrote such an interesting piece. Meet the first American journalist to interview Hitler and the first expelled from Nazi Germany. Maybe you can tell us about it. Okay. Uh, This is a story of a remarkable woman who should be far better remembered than she is. Uh, She's largely forgotten, unfortunately, but in her day, she was known as the first lady of uh, journalism, American journalism. Her name was Dorothy Thompson. She was born in Lancaster, New York, and uh, at an early age, she became a very prominent uh, radio broadcaster in the 1920s and then a foreign correspondent, uh, chief of uh, at least one uh, overseas uh, news bureau desk in Europe. And um, 
uh, during the 1920s, as Hitler was working his way toward power, he didn't talk to foreign journalists, and Dorothy Thompson tried to get to see him and interview him uh, for seven years until finally, in 1931, he consented to meet with her, and she then became the first American journalist to interview Hitler. And uh, she wasn't impressed. No, she was. <laughs> she was not. She thought that um, uh, he was uh, kind of nuts. Uh, she had read his book Mein Kampf, and already had a very negative impression of him. And when they sat down to meet, uh, he did almost all of the talking, and he talked uh, virtually right through her. Didn't answer but one of her questions, and raised his voice frequently during his. Uh, uh, diatribe uh, with her, and uh, she wrote it up in a 1932 book called "I Saw Hitler," in which uh, in which she said uh, plainly what her viewpoint of him was. She she said that uh, uh, she was shocked to think that this great nation uh, Germany could ever put him in power, and at that point she seriously underestimated him. She really thought that. Uh, uh, he was uh, so off balance that uh, Germany could never put him in power. But, of course, within a couple of years, that's where he was. Um, and then she became one of his fiercest critics all through the years that he was in power. Yeah. And when, when I read that portion of uh, your column, I just uh, it occurred to me that uh, he used his oratory skills with her and uh, had no interpersonal communication skills at all. <laughs> he was <laughs> no. <laughs> no, he could have used a course in uh, interpersonal relations. Yeah. Now, what what didn't work with her, of course, worked with uh, large crowds when he got up and and gave his diatribes in front of large numbers of people. But with her, uh, he just uh, made her think that he was uh, uh, crazy, um, and she didn't think that he could ever uh, be voted into office, which of course he was. Uh, and again, that was an error that she had made. Uh, and uh, uh, although uh, she certainly got in the crosshairs of Hitler and w in her stays in, in Berlin. That's right. After that uh, book came out, based on her interview with him in 1932, uh, she uh, was back in the United States. But then in 1934, uh, as Hitler is in power and the Nazi thugs in Vienna uh, assassinated the um, uh, leader of Austria, she decided she wanted to go back uh, to Europe uh, to cover the aftermath, and she first went to Vienna, but then she drove to Berlin, and she was barely there when she got a knock on her hotel room door. It was from an agent of the secret police uh, to give her a document informing her that she was to vacate Germany within 24 hours, so she then she became the first American journalist to be expelled from Nazi Germany. Yeah. And that was a pretty clear indication that Hitler didn't like her book. <laughs> no, it's certainly a pretty good indication indeed. So uh, what's, is there any aftermath about the story at all? Yes. In fact, uh, the article we're talking about appeared at fee.org last, a week ago yesterday. Uh, and just yesterday, I did a sort of part two about Dorothy Thompson, which your viewer, your listeners can uh, can read at fee.org, and it talks about her political philosophy and how in the 1930s, as she watched Hitler do his dirty work in Germany, and Roosevelt, uh, here as president in the United States, uh, imposed the New Deal, she began to see a lot of similarities uh, that uh, 
between the two, and she was quite concerned that Roosevelt was putting us on a path to some kind of uh, fascist economy with government price controls and direction of the economy and ever higher taxes. She saw a similarity there. So she was very much against uh, the New Deal of Franklin Roosevelt and against his court-packing scheme, uh, against the make-work projects, uh, that kind of thing. So she uh, carved out a reputation as quite critical of authoritarian government wherever it came from. She sounded like an astute political uh, observer. <laughs> she yes. sounded like uh, she was on our team. I think she was. And uh, sadly, she uh, sort of fell into obscurity late in her life. She was still writing, but a lot of newspapers dropped her column when she uh, uh, took on issues related to the Middle East. She had been a big supporter of uh, Israel becoming a, a nation-state in the late 40s, and that was greeted uh, very well by just about everybody. But then she spent some time over there and became critical of the treatment of the Palestinians, mm. and that's what caused a lot of uh, newspapers to say, okay, we've had enough of Dorothy Thompson, which is very unfortunate because that is an opinion that uh, should have been heard. Absolutely. Again, uh, Larry Reed, uh, President Emeritus of the Foundation for Economic Education. I encourage you to visit fee.org, F-E-E.org. And again, if you have a young person in your life, introduce them to this terrific organization. Uh, fee.org, again, is the website. Larry, I always appreciate your commentary on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure, indeed. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. Uh, his latest is No Problem. But I do want to point out that Fred La Marmotte, uh, Quebec's famous furry oracle, we're talking about the groundhog from Quebec, was found dead overnight on Thursday, hours before he was expected. I'm sorry, this, I'm <laughs> expected whether it would be early or late spring. So he did. He wasn't able to come out at all because he was dead. The organizer of Thursday's Groundhog Day event and uh, announced the somber news following some 40 minutes of festivities, including music and dancing. So uh, the, the Groundhog uh, Fred Marmet, Le Marmet, wasn't able to come out. Why? Because he died just hours before uh, before the event. All right, coming up, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor.
Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new refreshing social networking platform. And you can find out more and download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of several novels. Uh, Follow the Leader, its sequel is Shake the Money Tree. And his latest is a sequel to... Uh, shake the money tree it is no problem jim thank you so much for joining us here on the show it's a pleasure bob you know as i was telling you uh, before we went on the air i i've scheduled a test drive today of a tesla and the reason i did this has nothing to do with saving the planet uh, you know personally i think uh these green energy schemes to reverse global warming are akin to, you know, the old uh, metaphor about building a sandcastle to stop the tide. Yeah. Totally ridiculous. But, but you know, I'm older and I'm pre-cataract, and I, so it's hard for me to drive at night. And so I thought, well, I'm going to test this technology, this self-driving technology, realizing it has limits, to see if it would be uh, a help to an old guy like me. And I have to admit that part of the attraction was that Musk reduced the price of the car because he wanted it to qualify for federal tax credits uh, given out by uh, Joe Biden. And uh, Biden last week liberalized the rules so that more expensive electric vehicles could qualify for it, you know, after protests from Musk and General Motors and Ford. And so Musk raised the prices again. So I'm, I'm going to test drive it, but I'm not going to buy it because I'm ticked off. And it's a perfect example of how Biden's industrial policies are distorting the economy. I mean, they're already distorting prices because if you're a merchant, a car dealer, you will want a piece of every customer's federal tax credit. So you're going to raise prices. You know, you're, you're, you're not going to let the customer get 100% of that tax credit. Huh. You know, you're good. You know, it's just simple human greed. Um, another example, there's a story in the Washington Post today, and I read the Washington Post, so you don't have to, because <laughs> it, it is so woke. I mean, they, they have a new uh, 
their first woman editor, and she's a disaster, and she's turned it into uh, an unabashedly woke paper. But the woke city council in the District of Columbia will vote on a bill this week sponsored by half the council members that will, this is unbelievable, uh, use federal tax aid to the city to give free electric stoves, free heat pump systems, free whatever woke appliance you can think of to, to anybody earning under 80000 a year so that they can uh, get rid of their, and I put this in quotation mark, dangerous gas ovens and, and switch to clean electric Just... energy and save the planet. So I'm ready to scream, uh, stick your head out the window. I can't take it anymore. These are our tax dollars, <laughs> and they're wasting it on this stupid industrial policy that um, it just it just destroys innovation. It distorts prices. And who makes the electric stoves? I don't know that there's any manufacturer outside of Asia that is making electric stoves. Well, I think uh, GE makes electric stoves, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if they're manufactured in the United States, though. But, you know, it's just uh, so sad, uh, the distortions in the economy right now that we're seeing. And it, it's uh, things could be so much cheaper, so much fairly priced, much more fairly priced. And uh, my opinion, I'll voice it again, is that right now this whole uh, green energy thing is nonsense. Uh, carbon dioxide is plant food. And it feeds the trees, and it creates a more flush and, and uh, green environment for us. The more carbon dioxide, the better, I would suggest. And uh, the fact that the people are trying to get rid of it, it makes no sense whatsoever. And even if we were able to reduce our carbon dioxide emissions with what's going on in China and India and other countries, it's not going to make any difference anyhow. Mm. So I just want to mention something. We talked about GE. GE sold its appliance business to a Chinese company in 2016. Oh, I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, and when I go to uh, an appliance store, everything seems to be, you know, it's a lot of uh, South Korean names. So, uh, again, your, your tax dollars at work. But, you know, what happens with industrial policy, and I'm preaching to the choir with your listeners, who, who are very smart people. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're distorting capital flows. They're distorting prices. They're crippling innovation. Right. You know, I'm sure, I, I'm, I'm sure that, that the, uh, the gasoline power in industry could come up with innovations to reduce pollution and fuel consumption. And, and, and gasoline, you know, is, is a very powerful and uh, easy source for our our transit our vehicles, uh, but you know they're just canceling any research in that area. So they're 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 steering us towards a box canyon, and it's just going to uh, make life miserable for the average person in the next decade. Ox Canyon. What do you mean by that? Well, Bosch, can you, I mean, are the industrial policy will leave no alternatives. We'll be stuck in this electric future, even when it turns out to have been a uh, a a bad calculation. 
because, you know, by steering everybody into the same products, it's just going to elevate prices. It artificially elevates demand. I mean, when you elevate demand, you elevate prices. And our electric grid isn't ready for all these additional customers. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to reduce the quality of life in the United States. And to reverse that, industrial policy will take decades. You know, we have the uh, the engineering and the capability right now to get all the particulates out of the air. We could use coal plants and uh, with clean emissions, and uh, we would be just fine here in the United States. But that's not going to happen because we're way beyond that right now. The horse is out of the barn with regard to that, So, which is unfortunate. But meanwhile, China is building one coal plant each week, one new coal plant each week. So it's just incredible. Yeah, we we would better spend our money on a radar system that can detect balloons. <laughs> <laughs> well, even if we detect it, we have to do something about it, and that's something we're not willing to do, apparently. So, uh, wh- what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it scares, it frightens me that uh, the Pentagon is saying, "Well, there may have been balloon flights uh, over the country when." Trump was president, but we just figured that out during this administration. I don't know how they figured it out, but it, it shows that uh, there's a uh, an Achilles heel in our, in the, the NORAD uh, defense uh, system. If China can float balloons undetected yeah. over the country, uh, number one, uh, it comes on the heels of a report in the New York Times Sunday about the Navy trying to to stop the the, the refurbishment of littoral ships that uh, it bought and uh, and they were total wrecks. I mean, a lot of these ships broke down on their maiden voyages and yet members of Congress in bipartisan fashion have saved the sh- ship project. So, so you know, the, the uh, Congress is corrupt. It's steering tax dollars into the wrong uh, military equipment. So there's another example of a weakened United States. I'm I'm just very frightened for the ability of the United States to fight a war against an aggressor like Russia and China and not emerge without a bloody nose. Well, you're not alone. I share uh, those concerns. Jim McTake, a former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and its sequel, No Problem. Terrific novels, by the way. Jim, do you have anything else on the hopper? I do. I have I have another uh, novel, and it's coming along slowly, uh, but uh, I, I hope to have it within two years. I, uh, writing a novel is um, not an easy project. I would certainly understand that. Jim, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Bob. My pleasure indeed. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I certainly did, and uh, I would appreciate any comments that you have. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we get the word out and support our advertisers. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.